Translation of the Lord by Shri Prabhupada. King Purantana had unlimited desires for sense enjoyment. Consequently, he traveled all over the world to find a place where all his desires could be fulfilled. Unfortunately, he found a feeling of insufficiency everywhere. Purport. Srila Vidyapati, great Vaishnava poet, has sung Tatala Sakaite Varibindu Samasuta Mitta Ramani Samaje. Material sense gratification with society, friendship, and love is here compared to what's it compared to? A drop of water falling on a desert. A desert requires oceans of water to satisfy it. And if only a drop of water is supplied, what is its use? Many years ago, maybe 30 years ago, I remember we were in Radhakund and our, we had given away one of our canteens to the rickshaw wallet of Puri, so we only had one canteen. We couldn't easily buy bottled water everywhere. It was very hot. And we were, it was four of us with just one canteen. We were so, so thirsty. So if you've ever been so thirsty, and if someone came and took a little eyedropper and put one drop of water on your tongue, what is its use going on with the purport? Similarly, the living entity is part and parcel of the Supreme Personality of Godhead, who is stated in the Vedanta Sutra is Ananda Maya Sat, full of enjoyment. Being part and parcel of the Supreme Personality of Godhead, the living entity is also seeking complete enjoyment. So the scientists call this the pleasure principle, that we're all seeking pleasure. Like in the military, they sometimes have a heat-seeking missile. You've heard of that? It's a weapon can sense heat and it goes toward not quite as fine as the Brahmastra that can go right to the baby in the womb and not hurt anybody else like Aspatamathra. But we are all pleasure-seeking beings. Where's their pleasure? Where's their pleasure? Where's their pleasure? But what kind of pleasure? What does Prabhupada say here? What's the adjective he uses? What kind? Anybody remember what we just said? Complete. The living entity is also seeking complete enjoyment. I'm probably saying complete because in the verse, Paranjana found insufficiency. However, Prabhupada continues, complete enjoyment cannot be achieved separate from the Supreme Personality of Godhead. In his wanderings in the different species of life, the living entity may taste some kind of enjoyment in one body or another, but full enjoyment of the senses cannot be obtained in any material body. Thus, for Arjuna, the living entity wanders in different types of bodies, but everywhere meets frustration in his attempt to enjoy. In other words, the spiritual spark covered by matter cannot fully enjoy the sense. 
deficit in any circumstance in material life. So Prabhupada used the word complete, and now he's using the word fully. Would everyone like to be fully satisfied? Or just partially satisfied? Is that all right? Here Prabhupada say, the spiritual spark covered by matter cannot fully enjoy the senses in any circumstance in material life. Now Prabhupada is going to give some examples. And I'm sure we've all heard these examples many times. A deer may become absorbed in the musical sounds vibrated by the hunter, but the result is that it loses its life. Similarly, a fish is very expert in gratifying his tongue, but when he eats the bait offered by the fisherman, it loses its life. Even the elephant, who is so strong, is captured and loses its independence while satisfying its genitals with the female elephant. So here Prabhupada is giving three examples of how attempting to satisfy one's senses leads to some sort of destruction. So this is one reason why Prabhupada is giving so far two reasons why we can't have the full, full satisfaction of the senses. What was the first reason? The pleasure, okay, that is three reasons. Pleasure here is like a drop of water. Next reason? We can't get complete, but why? Because the enjoyment here is like a drop of water. And what did you say? Complete enjoyment is only possible with Krishna. And now what's, what's the point he's making here with this deer and the fish and the elephant? It just leads to destruction. Another reason it's not complete is not only does the enjoyment end, but the enjoyment leads to some sort of destruction, some sort of loss of life or independence. Okay, continuing the purport. In each and every species of life, the living entity gets a body to satisfy various senses, but he cannot enjoy all his senses at one time. In the human form of life, he gets an opportunity to enjoy all his senses pervertedly. So it seems that God is saying each animal species really has a certain sense that they're expert at. In human life, one can satisfy all the senses pervertedly. But the result is that he becomes so harassed in his attempt at sense gratification that he ultimately becomes morose. As he tries to satisfy his senses more and more, he becomes more and more entangled. King Paranjana had unlimited desires for sense enjoyment. Consequently, he traveled all over the world to find a place where all his desires could be fulfilled. Unfortunately, he found a feeling of insufficiency everywhere. So this is what drives us in the preface to Nectar Devotion, one of my favorite parts of Srila Prabhupada's books. He says, what's driving the living entity is rasa, some taste, some pleasure. Whatever we are doing, we are doing because we expect to get some pleasure out of it. Even things we are doing that we wish we weren't doing, we have some bad habit and we're thinking, why can't I stop this? Whatever we're doing, we're doing because there's some kind 
pleasure, some sort of taste. Prabhupada says there's nothing beyond the 12 rasas, so we're trying to enjoy something. Maybe it's a ghastly, perverted ghastly ras or something. We're looking for happiness, and that's what's, what's tempting us. No, we're like a donkey with a carrot in the front and a stick in the back. So there is happiness over there, and there is my distress, and I'm going toward the happiness. And also, it's quite interesting that we become happy by making others happy. Have you noticed that? That we like to make other people happy who are not interested, just simply in our own happiness. We want our friends, our family members, our associates, we want them also to be happy. And we want them to be happy because of something that we did. We like to give a gift to people and see them be happy. We like to provide some facility to others and see them be happy. In fact, what's quite interesting is that our happiness and others' happiness is usually greater than our direct happiness. If you cook a nice meal and you invite friends over and they enjoy the meal, you get more pleasure from them enjoying the meal than from your eating the meal alone. Or if you take your money and you use it for a gift for your friend, you get more happiness than if you spend that money on yourself. Isn't that often true? Have we all experienced this? So this is a little hint this sense that we get more by that we get more by giving is a little hint of where we can find complete happiness. So, although everyone accepts that life is meant for happiness, Shilprabhupada was asked once, I believe, in South America, what is the purpose of life? He said, Ananda, the purpose of life is to be happy. Again, everyone knows this. The materialists know this also. If you talk to anyone who has children, what do you want for your children? I want them to be happy. This is it's our essential principle that we are happiness beings. Mama We're part of Krishna who's an undermining his self. We're also joyful. As soon as we realize the self, Ramabhuta Prasanatma, what do you realize? Oh, I am joyful. I am full of happiness. But unfortunately, the materially conditioned soul is looking for happiness in a backwards, messed up way. So I thought we'd look at different kinds of happiness because here Paranjana is traveling from one body to another trying to taste different happiness. Just like in many cities there's a Chinese restaurant and there's an Italian restaurant and there's a Greek restaurant and like that. So Paranjana is trying, let me be happy in a fish body, in a bird body, in a, in a deer body. In a, you know, we're all doing this. We think, oh, maybe if I was born in South India in a Brahmin family, then I would be happy. You know? Maybe if I were a man, maybe if I were a woman, maybe if I had black hair, maybe if I had red hair, maybe if my nose was smaller, maybe if my nose was bigger, maybe if I had a mathematical brain, maybe if I had a brain to remember Sanskrit, maybe if I was more shy, maybe if I was more out of front, then I would be happy. And so therefore we get bodies that one after another. Even in this life, the little child is thinking, five-year-old child, is thinking, when I get to be seven, then I will be happy. Do you all remember that? And when you're seven, you're thinking, when I get to be twelve, then I will be 
So truth. So basically, Sattva Guru, you're getting closer to truth. And naturally, the closer you get to truth, the closer you are to happiness because the absolute truth is happy. So a very simple example, this cup has water, and water is meant to flow in my body. That's true. However, the cup is not meant to put in my body. That's false. Therefore, if I try to eat the cup, I will suffer. That's not that anybody is partial. The cup maker did not make this cup to cause me suffering, or if I take the cup and hit myself on the head. Because that's false. That's not its, its use. So the closer we are to reality, the more we actually are happy. Therefore, in Sattva Guru, a person actually feels some, some real happiness, some real peace. In Raja Guru, a little bit. In Tama Guru, basically none. Something that they think is happiness. So that's one category of happiness. And then, of course, beyond that, the transcendental, which we'll get to in a moment. Then Bhakti Manotahor gives three categories, three very different categories of happiness in regard to rasa. He says there's physical happiness of the body, things like food, good sleep, sex, uh, soft, warm clothing, things like that. Then he calls that earthly happiness. Then there's what Bhakti Manotahor calls heavenly happiness. That's emotional happiness. You have a nice relationship with other people. You have friendships with others. You have love. Prabhupada talks about your society, friendship, and love. So that's the swarga of us. And then Bhaktivinoda talks about the ultimate spiritual us. Then Rupa Goswami and Bhaktivinoda also talks about three kinds of happiness. He talks about any kind of material happiness, physical, emotional, goodness, passion, goodness, Brahman happiness, and Bhakti happiness. And then you can also categorize happiness by karma happiness. Ankara, you say, I am the doer, I have created this company, I have, you know, raised a good son who's an honor student at Harvard, I have done this, I have done that kind of happiness. And there's Gyan happiness. Amramasmi, I am not this body. Understanding the Brahman. There's yoga happiness. There's yoga happiness. I'm so powerful that I can become smaller than the smallest, and anything I want, I can just get, and I can control others' minds. And then there's bhakti happiness. Now, in, no matter how you categorize different kinds of happiness, we can see that there's some problems with anything other than bhakti. So the first problem is that any happiness other than bhakti, it starts from a sense of suffering. And without that suffering, there's no happiness. If there's no hunger, does food taste good? If you've just eaten a big meal and you're full and someone comes with your favorite preparation, can you eat it? Does it taste good if you eat it? Does it come even taste good? So there has to be hunger. To enjoy sleep, you have to be tired. All material enjoyment comes from a sense of emptiness, of incompleteness, of insufficiency, of neediness. 
that I feel I'm incomplete, I need something. And one is trying to take in sense objects to fill that need. Uh, Thomas Merton, who was a very famous Christian monk who wrote an appreciation of Shri Prabhupada's Bhagavad Gita, he said, all of us have a God-shaped vacuum in our heart. So just like Amelia Soda was giving Krishna her own bodily milk, the milk on the stove, who's also a person, is thinking, Krishna's belly is unlimited and Amelia Soda's milk is unlimited. How will I ever get to do any service in the world program? So Krishna's unlimited, anantarupam. So this God-shaped vacuum in our heart is unlimited. And I'm trying to fill it with things in the world. Not, it, it just doesn't work. But my trying to fill in the world comes from this feeling that God's not there. It comes from a sense of emptiness. Spiritual happiness is quite different. Spiritual happiness comes from a sense that Krishna's in my heart. Krishna is in the heart, and those who are spiritually aware, they feel that Krishna is in the heart. Instead of having an unlimitedly large hole, they have unlimitedly large bliss. Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati commenting on the Shiktastika says, Anandam Bhivardhanam. Although the jiva is minute, the jiva's capacity for enjoyment is infinite. So when one becomes aware that Krishna is in the heart, then one is full. And then instead of being needy and trying to get things to fill that need, one is full and overflowing. So many places. Shri Prabhupada says that the devotee is not interested in sense gratification because they are already full. Not because they're just they're averse or hard-hearted, because they're already full. If you have billions and billions of dollars, like Bill Gates, he doesn't go begging on the street. He has no need to. He can't spend all of his money in his life, even if he tries. Impossible. So that's how the devotee feels. The devotee feels full, and therefore the devotee is not taking, the devotee is giving. Materially, if you try to find happiness by giving, like we said in the beginning, after a while you get exhausted and you say, oh, what about me? But the devotees always getting for me. <laughs> the devotees always getting for themselves because it's unlimited. Like the spring at the bottom of Radhakarma, it keeps going. There's an unlimited spring of bliss in the heart. If one just removes the plug of envy, then it fills the heart and it's overflowing. And then the devotee doesn't even need to think about themselves and their own sense gratification. Why? A little child who's taken care of by the parents or the traditional wife who's taken care of by the husband, they don't have to think about their own maintenance. Or if you work for a very good company, you don't have to think, am I going to get paid? You don't even have to think about it. If you just concentrate on your duties and you forget about yourself, Material happiness also leads to suffering. The result of all material happiness is suffering. First of all, it's based on suffering. You have to feel miserable in order for happiness to feel like happiness. And the next thing is that happiness leads to suffering. You have to pay for it. 
You have to pay some sort of price, and the materialist doesn't want to pay the price. So it feels very painful. So it's like a suffering sandwich. You know, suffering before, a drop of enjoyment in the middle, and suffering after. Very tasty meal. Now, Maya Devi has her restaurant. We are serving now the suffering sandwich. In order to taste the nice drop in the middle, first you must suffer. And after you taste the drop, then you will suffer. How will you suffer? This won't satisfy you. Now, the prophet tells that story of the Brahmana who was very hungry. And he went into an untouchable's house to eat. But this untouchable was very poor. And so he didn't have much food. And the Brahmana ate a little bit of food, and then he said, oh, I have lost my caste, and I am still hungry. So the reason there's suffering afterwards is because material happiness doesn't touch the soul. It's something superficial. It's just like if you get really hot and sweaty, and you don't bathe, but you wash your clothes. And then you put on clean clothes over your dirty, sweaty body. Will that be pleasing? Or if you put petrol in your car and you don't eat. Fifth chapter, thirteenth chapter, Krishna says, we're not doing anything here. We're just observing. The soul is not really doing all, all these things. It's, it's like a movie or a dream. I remember one time I, I took a nap on a fast day. I was fasting also from water, and in my dream, I was drinking cup after cup after cup of water. At one point in my dream, I took a big jug of water, drinking, drinking. And then in the dream, I thought, what's going on? Why am I still thirsty? And then I woke up, like, oh, I need real water. So we're not satisfied. Because it's not touching us. It's not, it probably compares it like you have a big glove. So some of you who've never been out of India, maybe you've never worn gloves, but those of us who come from other parts of the world, sometimes in winter you wear this mitten, it puts all four fingers together. You know, big, thick thing. It's like I was in Radhadesh last winter when the temperature went to 20 below Celsius. And if you have this big glove on your hand, what can you enjoy with touching? Can you enjoy anything? So this body is like a big, heavy glove. You ever feel like that? It's like this big thing you're dragging around with you that covers your senses. Robert's talking here about full enjoyment of the senses, which you can't be covered. So it's not touching ourselves. And it's incomplete, it's partial happiness. A little bit. Like being very, very hungry. You go in there, you're given one eighth of a chapati and one teaspoon of rice. Oh, I gave you food, but it's, it's incomplete. It doesn't touch the self, it's incomplete. And we get very, a very peculiar phenomenon with material enjoyment. You get satiation, but not satisfaction. Satiation, but not satisfaction. Satiation is 
like this. You eat pizza for breakfast, you eat pizza for lunch, you eat pizza for dinner, you eat pizza for breakfast, you eat pizza for lunch, you eat pizza for dinner, you eat pizza for lunch. I read a story once about this young man who worked in an ice cream shop and one of the payments was unlimited access to ice cream. So he ate unlimited ice cream. And after a while, ice cream started making him feel nauseated, but he kept eating it. And after a while, he couldn't eat ice cream anymore, so why? He would go near it, he would vomit. So that's called satiation. I can't take anymore. The, the thing itself loses pleasure. I, I have to leave it for a while. It's called bogotiaga. I have to enjoy it, and I have to renounce it. I have to enjoy it, I have to renounce it. Sometimes when people are in the renunciation stage, they think, oh, I am very renounced. <laughs> but then they go back to the enjoyment. So that's the satiation, but never satisfied. And maybe a person may be satisfied to Kalayama Shashvatam. Maybe satisfied for a few moments. I have a perfect house, perfect spouse, perfect children, perfect wealth, perfect everything. Yes! Everything's good, said I'm humble, I'm perfect and happy. And then, you know, the toilet breaks or something happens. Then the animal is not happy. So there's no real satisfaction. You don't, you don't say, I'm fully satisfied. Anyone here ever been fully satisfied for 24 hours with material happiness? It's very sad. But we can satiate. We have enough, I can't take it. Spiritual happiness, it's complete. Prabhupada uses the word here complete and fully. One is completely satisfied. One is completely satisfied, but one is never satiated. One never says, oh, now you can't have anymore. No more. Too much happiness. I need a break. You know, the gopis don't say, oh, now we need a break. They say, we can't even have our eyes blink. I don't even notice my eyes are blinking. But they're saying, we can't even have our eyes blink. We don't even want that much of a break. So never satiated. Because spiritual happiness keeps getting newer and newer and newer and newer and newer. It's full of unlimited variety. It's not just like, oh, shanti. It's full of all different rasas and tastes and pastimes, which are always newer and newer and full of variety. An inconceivable variety. How can we conceive that Srimanti Vajramani never cooks the same thing to us? The cowboy boys always play a new game. Full of variety and expansion, expansion. Prabhupada says that Krishna looks at the gopis and he becomes happier when he sees them. Happier and more beautiful. They look at him, they become happier and more beautiful. He looks at them maybe. and there's a competition that ends with the growing of their happiness. So the poor materialist doesn't diagnose their problem properly. The materialistic person thinks. Okay, the problem with my material enjoyment, like this Paranjana, is I'm just in the wrong circumstances. The reason that I have my suffering sandwich, and the reason that I'm satiated but not satisfied, and the reason it's incomplete, is I just got the wrong body. 
Like nowadays, people do surgery, you know, change male to female, female to male. Or some people do surgery to make themselves look like an animal. You don't see this here, but we see this in the West. They put artificial horns in their forehead and spikes in their cheeks. They just get a different body. Or even in this life, someone will think, I just need a new partner. I've had this husband too long. Let me find another one. And I will be happy. A different job. A different country. Different kinds of clothes. Different kinds of foods. Different kinds of exercise routine. If I just try this and I just try that, And if I just get this, and I just get this, and every time I try to get it, 
Because in front of me, you know what, what there is in front of me actually? Why is it it looks like happiness, but actually it's just like a solid object? What is it in front of you? It's like a mirror. It's a reflection. Where is the real happiness for the conditioned soul? Behind you. So what I've done, I was with Krishna, and I bhaya I turn my face away from Krishna, and I just see the reflection. So the real enjoyment is, it's right there. I mean, it's actually right within me. Before I started with an meditation to see if Krishna's in my heart, then everything must be there, Radharani and Balaram and everybody. Madhusoda, Lalita, Vishaka, all of the Dhamma must be right there in my heart. But I'm just seeing the reflection. So I have to turn back to Krishna. And how do we know this is true? Maybe Rumi was making all of this up. Maybe there was no complete happiness where there's uh, complete satisfaction without satiation, every variety. Maybe this is just some opium of the people. But what's the alternative? The alternative is just to say, I'm going to be happy with the suffering sandwich. Is anybody, is anybody going to accept that? The materialists say, oh, we'll just be satisfied, bad with the good, suffering with enjoyment, just focus on the enjoyment part. But can they do that? We can't really do that. We have this urge for complete satisfaction. I'm saying here, it's complete satisfaction of all of the senses. All of the senses at once, complete, ever-expanding, variety with no suffering. If we didn't want it, nobody would be able to sell us two basic cars and one soap and insurance policies. Because that's how they sell it, isn't it? Drive this car and you'll have unlimited happiness. Get this toothpaste, you'll have unlimited happiness. Where does this desire for unlimited happiness come from? If I'm just a material being, if I'm just a series of cosmic accidents that started with some chemical goopy soup, that got hit by a lightning rod and turned into a little cell that somehow morphed into giraffes and palm trees and elephants and people. If that's all I am, then why do I want something impossible? You know, desert creatures, when you got a drop of water in the desert, there are desert creatures who never need to drink water. There are so many, they don't need to drink water directly. If I go to a desert, I'm thirsty. My lack of satisfaction with material happiness is indicative that I'm not a material creature. If we are all looking for something, my dear friends, and we are all looking for that something, everyone, even the animals, all living entities are looking for that something, it must be because that's our natural state. Where would that desire have come from? Therefore, we must believe that it's real. If we don't believe that it's real, we won't put our energy into trying to get it. And how do we get that real happiness? The opposite to the way we think. Just like Jesus said, those who seek to find their life will lose it. Those who lose their life for my sake will find it. We get this real happiness by giving happiness to Krishna. 
exactly, exactly like, exactly like, my ears are happy and my nose is happy and my hair is happy if I put food in my mouth. Exactly like. So I was telling in our class the other day, it's such a nice story, how in 76 when we met, we were sure of our brother. My son was on my lap, and Prabhu said, just like this mother was loving her son without expectation of return, so in this way one should love Krishna. And my father said, will loving her son help her to love Krishna? Prabhu said, no, but loving Krishna will help her to love her son. Just And then Prabhu said, just like, if you put food in your mouth, you get good eyesight, but if you put the food in your eyes, you become blind. So I always picture people like shutting carrots in their eyes. So by giving to Krishna, because we're part of Krishna, and he's complete. Prabhupada was talking about complete happiness. I'm actually complete when I'm connected with the complete. I only feel insufficient and needy and empty because I pulled out the plug. I have a plug, I just need to put it back in. And it's not like Vrindavan electricity, it's more like New York City electricity, it works. <laughs> Otherwise, I think I'm running on battery. I have to be like, I'm going to use up my battery and do something. I just plug it into Krishna. It's not really very hard. One lecture, Prabhupada said, the difference between material consciousness and spiritual consciousness is very slight, like two lines. One line has to go only one millimeter to be in a different place. It's not a big difference. We're eating materialists or eating, we're working materialists or working. Externally, our external activities are not so different. A little, little, little difference. Just thinking, so simple. Krishna is my boss. Krishna is my company president. And I'm his employee. And what product does Krishna's company sell? What's our product? Krishna Premium. So I work for the Love Company. <laughs> but I work for the Krishna Premium Company. He's my boss. It may appear that someone else is my boss, the temple president, or the bank president, or my husband, or whatever. But really, Krishna is my boss, and all other jivas, they are either co workers in the Krishna Premium Company, or they are suppliers. Or they are customers, or they are potential customers. And everything I do can be to satisfy my boss. If a nice boss will change the long run, whatever I need, he'll supply. He'll supply what I need to do my work, and he'll even make sure that I get a salary. Of course, just like you work, I said that man worked for an ice cream shop, he got paid with ice cream. So when you work for the Christian Frame Company, you get paid with Christian Frame. Dasakori Baitan Moradeva and then Baitan is salary. And Mahabharu says, I want this salary. So you get a salary, you even get vacation times, everything. It's a good company present. Immediately, our consciousness can be transformed. I'm working now for Krishna. And in ordinary company, 
made the bosses in the office far away, you may not know what you're doing. But in this company, the boss is right there. He's always seeing everything we're doing, hearing everything we're doing. We just have to think about that. Okay, my boss is right here. Let's see, how can I make him happy? How can I sell more love of God? How can I eat more love of God? Because love of God is an interesting thing. Even the more you taste it, the more there is to give, the more you give, the more there is. How am I dealing with this supplier? How am I dealing with this coworker? How am I dealing with this customer? Is my boss happy? Is he smiling? Robert said, the residents at Mandavan, all they're thinking about is, is Krishna smiling? Have we made Krishna smile? Again, we don't understand that. We don't have friends that we're happy just to see them happy. That one switch, you say, oh, man, it's not so easy. The material desires are like the Pacific Ocean. And I feel like that. I look at, at all my desires and my attachment, and it's just like standing on the beach in Hawaii, one little rock in the middle of the ocean, and there's just ocean, 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 ocean. You have to fly for five hours to get away from the ocean. But what did the demigods say in chapter 2, 10 Canto? They said, as soon as you approach the boat, you don't have to get in the boat. Because we can't. We're so insufficient and weak and helpless and small. You just approach the boat and what happens to the whole ocean? I think it becomes so small that you don't even realize you've stepped over it. And we all have that experience at least with little attentions. All of us here, when we first started to become interested in Christian consciousness, I'm sure we had attachments that we thought was difficult to give up as an ocean, and now we don't even think about them. If you start preaching to new people, and they'll say, why this problem and that problem, you'll think, why do you think that's a problem? And then you remember, oh yeah, 20, 30, 40 years ago, I thought that was a big problem also. So all of our attachments and illusions about material happiness will become like this. So that is our solution. Our solution is not change around the furniture, try one body to another, try one personality to another, try this thing, that thing, the other thing, this thing, that thing, the other thing. Our solution is to turn back, look at Krishna, put him in the club, know Krishna's a company president, see him there all the time, smiling, and then we don't have to even think about our own automatically we're so happy that we don't even have to think about it. We forget about it. So thank you very much. Over to questions? Corrections, additions, subtractions,
But you're saying the majority of people are thinking about how there's a